I've struggled all week with uh, what the Lord would have me to bring tonight. <clears throat> uh, Bible's full of analogies where we as Christian soldiers, we're athletes, we're running in a race, we're fighting a fight. And most of us in this place would be truthful and say, I've learned that the hard way. I got the t-shirt, got the scars, got the battle wounds. And I was reflecting just a moment ago and jotted down some notes. You know, when you get to be my age, you have to make yourself notes. And going back to my days as both an athlete and as a coach, and I remembered some phrases that we used to try to drive into the hearts and to the minds of athletes, and I think it's appropriate for us to get it into the hearts and the minds of us as Christians. Phrases such as, if you're going to be a champion, you have to have the desire and determination and discipline. Desire, determination, and discipline. I can tell you when I was in high school playing football, I, I heard the three D's over and over and over and over because I got plenty of that discipline from the coach. But that wasn't the kind they were talking about, that I needed to have some self-discipline and condition my thoughts and my body and my actions to become conducive to that of a winner. They had tape white athletic duct tape over the doors as you'd leave the locker room and at Woodlawn High School to go to the practice field and it was written up there with a sharpie or a magic marker at that time it was before sharpies and it was the phrase that said when the going gets tough the tough get going apply that to your spiritual life no pain no gain Bible talks about us as suffering we're going to suffer some stuff. I remember the first time we went to the Superdome when I was coaching at Evangel and we'd been on the field and we had warmed up and we'd gone back in the locker room for our last time to talk with the team before we went to play the game. And Coach Dunn basically preached a sermon in about 30 seconds. And he said, if you're nervous, get it out. The hard part was getting here. If we'd lost any of the games the previous four weeks, we'd be in the stands watching instead of on the field playing. The hard part was getting here. Then he says, we've got a good game plan. God's got a good plan for your life said believe in yourself I believe God said in his word that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me then he said believe in that man next to you you see we're all fighting together we're on the same team we're pulling one for another and word says that when one member suffers we all should suffer and when one rejoices we all should rejoice we're in it together. No lone wolves in the kingdom of God. No mavericks. But we're a team. 
were on God's team. Then he said, believe in your coaches to make necessary adjustments as the game goes on. I want you to know that God has given us coaches. The word says that he's given unto us pastors, prophets, preachers, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping, for the edifying of the saints. You could look at them as position coaches. Instead of a linebacker coach, you might be an evangelist. Instead of a defensive back coach, you might be a pastor. But he's given unto us a coaching staff to equip the body to go forth to do what? To win, to be victorious, not to lose. Play like a champion today. Leave it all on the field. No regrets. If you have anything left in you physically, or emotionally when you walk off of that field after the game you didn't give it everything during the game same thing in our lives as we endure and persevere and press forward and move on with God we don't need to look back and have regrets all of this can be summarized, I believe, and much more, in the word commitment. I want to talk to you tonight for just a few moments. My reading, my text is going to probably be longer and of more time than my comments. But I want to talk to you tonight about commitment. I watch the world in which we live in this generation that we've sissified and coddled and give everybody a trophy and truthfully it makes me sick I believe in encouraging you feel me I go back to when I was in boot camp in the army. How many times I heard that sergeant say, get your mind right. Well, it's amazing how this affects this. <laughs> I believe I read in the word somewhere where it says, spare the rod and spoil the child. I want you to know something that's spoiled ain't good for nothing. We've got to return to the three D's of desiring to please God. And one of the ways that we please God is to train up a child in the way that he should go. And discipline. We've become very remiss in accountability and in instruction. Even to ourselves. We don't even hold ourselves accountable to ourselves. Luke, you may have to get me a trash bag in a minute. Not meaning to gross any of you out, but I've been sick. Uh, but anyways, we want you to understand something that as I read this passage of Scripture tonight, that I really want to challenge you. To be committed in good times and in bad times. In easy times and in difficult times. 
There are scriptures that pertain to things like that that so many people don't even know that are in the Bible. Amen. I'll give you an example. Now God's talking to his children. He's not talking to the lost. He's talking to his children. He says, if you don't call on me in good times, I'll not hear you in bad. Amen. See, God is not wanting to be our Santa Claus. He's wanting to be not only our Savior, but our friend. He wants us to have a relationship. He wants us to hang out with him. He's there all the time, but he wants our attention. He wants us to give him our attention. And tonight, you've got a purpose in your heart to be committed. You go read the book of Daniel 1 and 8. All of the miracles that happened in Daniel are based upon the verse 8 where it says that Daniel purposed in his heart. In other words, he made a commitment. That he would not defile himself with the portion of meat from the king's tables. And we've got to get to a place that we purpose and get committed to the things of God, the ways of God, the word of God, whether it's politically correct or socially accepted or not, whether it's popular or not. It's godly. And it's ordained by him and it's instructed by him. And he calls upon us to be obedient to his word. If we're not walking in obedience to his word, what are we doing? We're walking in disobedience. We've become children of disobedience. This is not, I don't want you to perceive it as a beat you up, come down on your word. Because it's not. I'm just challenging you. Because as you'll see in the portion of scripture we're about to read. You're going to need to be committed to God and to yourself. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is not a message on the end time, although in the beginning it's going to sound like it. Chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Pay attention. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort, are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth? Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine and manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Chapter 4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Lord, in the next few moments, help us to be inspired by your word. And Lord, help us to do some soul searching and to grade our own papers. And Lord, to see if we're where we need to be with you. And if not, that we get there so that we're prepared for this rough ending that's coming to planet earth. This lie and this facade that's being taught by some that it will be rosy posy and happy go lucky. is so far contradictory to your word that Lord we had better make our callings and elections sure. We better be examining ourselves to see if we be of the faith. Lord we better count the cost and not be half hearted, double minded, lukewarm compromising in our standards and morality but God that we would seek your faith with a spiritual ear to hear what your spirit would say and God that you would form convictions in us that would change us to look and act and think and to talk like you in Jesus precious name we pray amen and amen this is the apostle Paul writing this to Timothy the way this message came about is on Monday I was reading in Acts chapter 7 and 8 where Stephen was stoned. Saul of Tarsus who later becomes Paul was overseeing those events. And you know the story how Stephen as he was being stoned he prayed basically. He had two requests. Said, Lord, receive my spirit. And then he said, Don't hold this against them. Kind of sounds like Jesus on the cross, doesn't it? Why could he do that? Because he was committed to the cause, he was committed to Christ. And I want you to notice something here. Doesn't seem fair in our reasoning. That, that 
Stephen would have to be martyred. But out of that came a Paul who writes roughly two-thirds of the New Testament and is regarded by most scholars as to be the most godly man and the strongest Christian other than Jesus that ever lived. Yet we see in this passage of Scripture a warning and a challenge to the body of Christ. Be committed. Did you know that 11 of the 12 I'm sorry, 10 of the 12 disciples sealed their personal belief and testimony with their very life. They were martyred. They were killed for their beliefs. <coughs> Judas killed himself. John the Baptist was on the Isle of Patmos. Might I remind you, and God forbid that any of us ever experience it, but the day is coming. The day is coming when some people are going to have to seal their belief with their life. Because if you don't receive the mark, you can neither buy nor sell and you'll be beheaded. What was that guy's name over there in Iraq that was, Iran that was cutting people's heads off? Glenda, my, my lovely wife, she said, you know, I might could take the sword with just a quick chop of the head. He said, but I, don't, I ain't into all that cutting with that knife. <laughs> I said, I ain't either, baby. And I hope we're raptured out of here before we get to that. But the point is this. We in America have become so soft and so been so coddled even spiritually that we think that if we don't get recognized for as John Hagee would say bringing colored toothpicks to the church social we get our feelings hurt yeah. <laughs> it'll stain your teeth but grow up get committed to the cause now I want to go down there. This is normally used at a funeral and I'm only going to preach the first half. But Paul says, I am now ready in verse 6. In other words, he said, I am prepared. Prepared in the way that he's first of all a child of God. He's saved. He knows when he checks out of here, next stop, heaven. A great place that's been prepared for him. How about you? Are you prepared? Are you ready? It's your call. It's your decision. Jesus said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. It's your choice. But he says, choose today who you'll serve. And he's eager to go. That word, I'm now ready. I'm ready also means eager to go. I'm eager. How about you? See, eagerness helps describe the church that Jesus is coming back after. He said, because in his word, he's coming back for a people mm, that's looking and longing, excited about his return. Are you? He says in verse 7, I fought a good fight. I tell you all the time, we've been called to be soldiers. Soldiers fight. 
we get a little spiritually speaking a broke fingernail and we're ready to quit and go home we're ready to throw in the towel you got to get some spiritual bullnog tenacity about you and when the going gets tough the tough's got to get going you've got to be resolved and you've got to be committed to no matter what form of attack is coming up on your health, your home, your finances, your relationships. You've got to be committed to the fact that knowing who you believe in, who you trust, who you look to, and recognizing the fact that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll go with you all the way to the end. Now this Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and you don't have to turn there, but here's a man that knows what, it, what he's talking about, where he's fought a good fight. Listen to this real quickly. He says, five times, he's speaking of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. That's 195 lashes as I count it. Five times 40 would be 200. Less one, so it's 39. Five times, so it's 195 stripes. It's been laid upon his back. Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I've suffered shipwreck. I've been in the water all night and all day. I know weariness. I know pain. I know hunger. I know thirst. I know what it's like to be cold. I know nakedness. Yet he says, none of these things move me. That just emptied out most churches right there. <laughs> None of these things move me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 58, listen to what he says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. But you've got to be committed to go through some stuff. To persevere. To endure. To be long-suffering. But know this. That in the end, if you don't waver, if you don't falter, if you don't fumble on the one-yard line, you score and you win. Somebody missed a good chance to say amen. Because he's warning you to be victorious. You remember when Jehoshaphat was told about all the armies that were coming against him. And he said that famous statement. And it was more than just spiritual words for our ears. It was a conviction. It was a belief because of a commitment that he had. He said, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. All of us in this place, I would dare to say on probably more than one occasion, have had those moments of not knowing what to do. And sometimes our eyes have turned to the Lord. Sometimes our eyes have turned to self. Sometimes our eyes have turned to others. Sometimes our eyes have turned back to the ways of the world. But I'm challenging you tonight to be committed. Committed to God. 
Committed to the word. Committed to yourself. Committed to finish strong. You see, it's not he who starts the race. It's he who finishes. And we've got to run with a purpose. It says not to run like we're beating the air. But keeping our eyes on the prize. Running with purpose. Running with intent. Running with a passion to be successful. You see, it's been said so many times, and true it is, the attitude of the athlete entering the ring of competition has everything to do with even his chance of success. You remember the last weekend of September, we had a ring set up right here, and we had a boxing, boxing tournament here. I assure you, that every person that walked down the aisle and crawled between those ropes when they got on that mat, they were believing in their heart that they were going to win. If they didn't think they were going to win, they were whipped before they left the locker room. Amen. And the same thing in our spiritual lives. In Romans, we hear those words, What shall separate me from the love of God? And he goes through a litany of things to only say, I am persuaded that neither height nor depth nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor any other creature shall separate me from the love of God. We've got to get that commitment. We've got to get that resolve. We've got to have that expectancy of God. We've got to do our part by being obedient to what he says and do what we can do and he'll do what we can't. I'm all about faith. I believe in faith a lot, but I also know that the Word says that faith without works is dead. There are times that you've got to do what you can do, and God will do what you can't. You remember the story uh, of Lazarus. He's dead and buried and got the stone covered up. And Jesus, he saw Martha and Mary weeping. He was moved with compassion. He weeps. He tells them to move the stone. Don't miss that right there. He said, you moved the stone. God's telling us in so many circumstances, you do what you can, and I'll do the miracle. I'll call the dead forth. So, pray, yes, and believe and have faith, but give God something to work with. Do what you can do. Believe him for what you can't. And I'm not going to finish the rest of it. Finish the course. Finish the course. Kept the faith. Crown of righteousness. Because that's for some other time. But tonight I wanted you to see from the Apostle Paul. The th some of the things that he endured. Some of the things that he went through. But he stuck with the stuff. The Bible is full of people, full of men and women of God. That because of the commitment they had to God, overcame. Some of them had to seal their, their beliefs with their lives. But the Word of God says, no greater love hath this than a man that would lay down his life for another. You know what? I've seen as a minister numerous times over the years where the death of a saint Bible says it beautiful and sweet is the ongoing of a saint to be with the Lord and I've seen at funerals that I've preached and also attended to where 
the passion of that Christian was that somebody would be saved at their funeral. That's love. And I've seen people respond and give their lives to Jesus and their life be turned around at a funeral. Because it's all about a desire and a determination and having the discipline to deny self and to reach out to Christ. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what the devil brings your way, no matter what curveball you're throwing, you be committed to God and to his word. Call on the Lord. Let him show you great and mighty things. Now I want to point that back to just six or eight weeks ago when I challenged you about praying. That God would put a person on your heart and on your mind. He would give you a burden for somebody. I want to remind you of that. Many of you raised your hands and says, I, that's me. I commit to that. I want to encourage you to continue to pray. If he's not already put that person on your mind, if he's not already set that scenario up, set that divine appointment up, pray that he will be looking for it. Be sensitive to the spirit. Don't be forceful. Don't be weird. Don't get religious on nobody. Just at the appointed time. When it presents itself, have a sensitivity to the Spirit to just give a word of hope and love and encouragement and watch what God does with that. Would you bow your heads?